All right, well, let's shake back to our seats and uh, find our place uh, where we can have a seat for a few minutes. We're going to get into the Word of God this morning. Can you hear me okay out there? Okay, all right, the, the back, uh, back to me, it's a little, little different, but all right. Well, it's good to see all of you this morning uh, on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, see, you've chosen to stay in town, at least for today. Um, if you travel, I would pray you have safe travels all the way around. Well, as uh, Lindsay pointed out earlier, we, that we, if you're new here, uh, normally we have a little more of extended time of praise and worship in our service. Um, today, uh, we, we, we're just going to change it up a little bit. We're going to put a little more um, time built in at the end of the message today for some uh, time of response from us to the Lord uh, in praise and in, in the aspect of worship. And so, actually, today I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the last book, uh, the last chapter in the book of Psalm, the Psalm 150. Psalm 150. We're going to start at 150, and then we're going to work our way back to Psalm 1. So I'm going to read every single one, and I'm kidding. I just want to make sure you guys were still with me, and you didn't check out. All right. Cool. <laughs> Psalm 150, and it'll also be on the screen behind me that you can follow along with if you don't have your Bible with you in hand. All right, everybody found it? Are you ready? Let's look at this, Psalm 150. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Or in our case, Jim. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Praise Him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre and harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with a loud and clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes, or in some translations, let everything that has breath praise the Lord and praise the Lord. Psalm 150. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, thank you for your word. You've got so many good things to say. Some things, Lord, we are unsure of at times, but we know if we trust you and trust the Holy Spirit, we'll gain understanding and revelation about it, and how it applies to our life. And today, Lord, as we open up your book, your word, and look at Psalms, as we're looking at praise and what it means, and how significant it is, and how, part of our, how much of a natural part of our life it should be, I pray you would help us grasp it, understand it, and yes, be bold enough to live it. I pray now that you would speak to us, O oh God, where we are, but also show us where we can be by faith in you. We ask this now in Jesus' name, and everybody can say, Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about the subject, praise. Why praise matters. Why praise matters. Praise has been around since the beginning of our time in Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth he looked down at the end of his creation of each day and he said, it is 
good. It is good. Praise, just in its, in its very essence, means to boast and it means to celebrate. That's what that means. Just the, the, the sheer, raw, pure definition of praise is to boast about something and to celebrate something anyways. And in the Bible, there, there's actually... We use, in our language, obviously the English language, we have the word praise. But in that word, there are many different descriptions about that word in the Bible. And we're going to look at those here in the book of Psalms. We're going to explore a few of these and how these various descriptions of our word praise uh, actually give implication to, sev- to several different types of praise. That at its core, at its base, it is to celebrate, it is to boast. And in our case, it's about God and who He is, what He's done and what He does. But at the same time, it has an implication to, to how it directly impacts our life. To how where we are at any given moment and season of life, that according to the Word, there are several different ways, descriptions, and types of praise that will actually affect us where we are and help us to see spiritually where God wants to take us and what it is He wants to do with our life through any given moment. So we're going to look at this, and then in, in, in a little bit as we wrap this up, then, then I believe heaven is wanting to invite us in, in response. Our response would be to accept the invitation to actually praise God. Now I know in some churches, um, when, you hear wor- when you hear praise, or you hear worship, or music, or any of those kind of different aspects, it's different in, different, in different types of churches and, and all that, and, and and so the main thing here in our church here at New Life is we, we want you to have freedom to express to, to the Lord. And anytime we express ourselves to God with each other as the family of God as a church, then here's, here's one of the kind of, I think, the core um, discrepancies about that is this, is while you have freedom, we also are mindful of people around us. And so therefore, uh, it, it, we, whatever we do should not only bring glory to God, but it should also edify people around us. So when we look around corporately, that's one of the beautiful things about coming together as a church family corporately like this, is we get to look around and we can see different ones praising God, worshiping God, expressing themselves to the Lord. And what it does, it should build faith. It should encourage us, especially as we, as we've been talking the last couple of weeks about our relationships with each other and going deeper in our relationships with one another, taking the time to be intentional to connect to one another. What that does, it allows us to begin to know the struggles of one another. And when we begin to see and know the struggles of one another, and then we yet at the same time see that person in their struggle at that time in life give praise and honor and glory to God, it should build faith inside of us to say that, hey, I know what they're going through, but look at them. They're still putting their faith. They're still putting their trust. They're still putting their hope in Jesus Christ. And look at them sing and look at them worship and look at them express to God. And I know in my own self right now with what whatever it is I'm going through, that if they can do it, then surely I can as well. You get what I'm saying? That's just one reason why we need to know each other. 
Because if you don't know what so-and-so is dealing with and going through, it doesn't mean we have to know everybody, but we do need to make sure we surround ourselves with, the, with people, with one another, and begin to go deeper in that relationship. So when we don't know somebody, then we don't know what they're going through. And then at the same time, as they're celebrating and, and, and worshiping God and boasting in God, and God has seen them through and brought them through certain things, then we begin to understand. I remember when they went through that. I know why they're celebrating so loud. I know why they're celebrating so free. I know why they're celebrating God at this moment in their life, because I know what God did for them. I know what God has shown them. I know how God provided for them. As the story we heard in the offering time, how God provided for someone in our family of faith, and they didn't even realize it was there. It was directly deposited, and they didn't even know they had that. And so, therefore, it gives way to give God praise for what he's brought us through. Amen? So let's look at these. Let's look at these different types of praise. We're going to start chronologically in, in Psalm, Psalm 22. Again, these are going to be on the screen as well. And um, we'll see where the Spirit puts some of His stamps on certain ones of these today. Seven different words. In the, Hebrew, in the Old Testament, there's Hebrew words. And so there, the Hebrew word for, for praise, there's, we're going to look at seven. And the first one is Hallel. Hallel, it's where we get the word Hallelujah. It's where we get the word hallelujah, hallel. And that just does mean to boast. It means to celebrate in essence. So look at this. Psalm 22, 1 um, says this right here. It says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night and you hear my voice, but I find no relief. Verse 6. But I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, then let the Lord rescue him. Verse 14. He says, My life is poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth and you have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. Verse 22, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters, and here it is, I will praise you, I will hallel out you among your assembled people. Verse 26, the poor will eat and be satisfied, all who seek the Lord will praise him, will hallel him, and their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. Now what's so significant, why does this type of praise matter? to hallel God, to boast, to celebrate Him no matter what. Well, this type of praise matters because it shows us that when we praise God like that, and in that season or in that moment, it revives our heart, our spiritual heart, our inner core, our soul, the inner person where there's life and emotion and sustainability that comes from the inner circle of who we are, our heart. So... That is what that means. It revives our heart. And like this, like David, like David was crying out here, he, he, he felt abandoned. He felt like, God, where are you? He, God felt distant. Anybody ever 
been in a place like that in life before where, where God feels distant or maybe like David, he said, my prayers are, seems like they're going unanswered. Anybody ever feel like, man, sometimes your prayers just aren't being answered? And he goes on to describe, he said, man, people are against me. I got some haters in my life. They don't get me. They don't like me. There are people that are dead set against me. And David went on and he said, I feel fatigued. I feel just worn out. Anybody ever felt like that? You felt like, man, I've done all I can do. I'm tired physically, spiritually, emotionally. I'm drained. I, I, I don't know if I've got anything left in me, God. Things around me seem to just continuously draw on me and suck the life out of me, and I don't have anything to give. I've given till I've given everything, and God, here I am in the middle of my dilemma, in the middle of my problem, in the middle of my pain. And what does David say? I will praise you in the assembly of your people. I will boast about you anyways. I will celebrate you anyways. And he says, and those who follow and seek the Lord, they will praise you. They will boast in you. They will celebrate you anyways. And he said, when, when I do this, I know it will revive my heart. I will have everlasting joy. Anybody ever been through some things in life where you have felt like David felt like this? And you felt abandoned, you felt unanswered in your prayers, you felt fatigued, you felt people were against you and didn't understand you and things weren't working out the way you had hoped. But yet inside, David knew, I can't, if anything's ever going to change, then I still have to praise God. I still have to open up my mouth and I still have to praise God. I have to boast in Him anyway. I have to celebrate Him anyways. That when I do that, David knew something. He had a connection and a relationship with God that if you want your soul revived, you want your energy back, you want your spiritual vitality back, it is not going to come back by just staying as woe is me at this time. The way that all changes and the way you experience revival in your heart is in the middle of whatever, you still boast. You still celebrate God. I ain't talking to anybody in this place today. This is just a warm-up message for somebody listening somewhere. Let's look at another one, number two, Psalm 34. Psalm 34, this... Hebrew word for praise is tequila, not tequila, tequila. You're like, if I had some tequila, I'd be praising something too. Tequila, which means exuberant singing. Exuberant singing is what it means. Psalm 34, verse 1. David said, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises or his praise will continually be in my mouth. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. What are you afraid of? God can only free you. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. Boy, that is good. No shadow of shame will darken your face when you look to the Lord. 
In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Wow. Why does this type of praise matter? Exuberant singing, because this type of praise reminds me, reminds us of God's faithfulness. Reminds us of God's faithfulness. Very Right off the top, David said, I will praise the Lord at all times. All encounters, all experiences, all seasons, all occasions, the happy ones and the sad ones, the mountaintop experiences and the valleys of life. I will praise the Lord at all times. Why is this so important? What, what was going on with David? David, he had already been anointed king. He had already killed Goliath, so he set Israel free. But there were some still, there were people that didn't like him, particularly the king at the time, King Saul. And he was on the run. He was chasing Saul, or Saul was chasing David. And he was always on the run, constantly hiding and just kind of waiting his time out until things changed. And it was... He was going to be put on the throne eventually of Israel. But here's what was going on. David went and visited another king of Gath, the king of Gath, king of Abimelech. And he went in his presence and, and his people, the king's pre, uh, people didn't like that David was there. They knew about David. They knew what was going on. They knew what he was capable of. And they were like, king, you know who this guy is? This is David. This is the one that they sing about. Saul killed his thousands. But oh, watch out, David killed his tens of thousands. You see, that's the guy who killed Goliath with just a slingshot and a smooth stone. They didn't, it didn't take anything else. He's the one who picked up Goliath's own sword and cut Goliath's head off. That is him, and what's he doing here? And David got scared for a moment because he was, he was not sure how, what the king was going to do or how he was going to react. And so it said David began to act like an insane man. He acted crazy for a brief moment. He started pretending to drool down his mouth, down his beard, and, and down his clothes, and he was acting all crazy, and, and it, whatever, whatever you can imagine, somebody acting crazy, that's what David was doing, he was acting insane, and the king said, guys, we got enough crazy people around here, what's he doing here, get him out of here, got enough cray-crays running around, I don't need another one. To take care of, so go. That was, in other words, that gave David a way of escape, and he got out of there. And then you know where David went next? He went into a cave. He went into the cave of Adullam. But you know what? He didn't stay there very long by himself. You know who followed him in there? People who were just like him. People who were disturbed. People who were discontent. People who owed a lot of debt people who were looking for a leader to lead them out of the mess that they were in. And they knew just who to go to. Somebody who's been there. Somebody who's done that. Somebody who's bought the t-shirt and sold it on eBay. Somebody who's been there before, who's fought that battle. Somebody who's stood up to giants before. Somebody who wasn't afraid to act a little crazy just so they could get a little peace of mind later and get on down with life and see what would happen. They knew. And that's where David found himself. And this is where David writes that psalm. He writes this psalm. And he says, I will praise the Lord at all times. 
I will praise him at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I will sing. I will tehillah him. I will sing to him because whether I sound good or I I don't sound so good, I'm going to sing to the Lord and I'm going to praise him anyway. I'm going to praise him in my car on a way to a job that I don't really like, but when I get there, I'm going to put a smile on my face and I'm going to be nice to my coworkers and when clients call, I'm going to be good. When I still have to show up and do everything that I'm doing, when I still have to be a faithful mom, I still have to be a faithful spouse, I still have to be a faithful employee, and things are hard in my life right now, but yet I will still praise my God because I might be insane right now. I might feel like I'm going crazy right now, but His praise will continually be in my mouth. I will praise Him. Through every trial. I'll praise him through every problem. I'll praise him through every setback. I'll praise him through every surgery. I'll praise him through every report. I'll praise him through every whatever it is that I go through. His praise will continually be in my mouth because I know that when I get through this right now and I look back on that situation, I will be reminded that God's faithfulness is great. Amen? Number three, Psalm 50. The Hebrew word for this word praise is taldah, taldah. Here's what that means. It means to lift your hands receptively, expectantly waiting for things not yet received. So it's like this, holding your hands out to receive. It's pretty neat. There's all these different types and demonstrations of praise. And they point right back to where we might be in any given point of our life. So to lift our hands receptively, Psalm 50 verse 1 says, The Lord, the mighty one, is God, and he has spoken. Let me read it from your new King James. The mighty one, God the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down the next one. It says, whoever offers praise, whoever offers taldah glorifies me. Whoever lifts their hands to receive from me glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Why would this type of praise matter? Why? What's the deal with lifting our hands like this to God? It matters because it builds our dependency on God. See, if we can't physically do what's really in our heart, then what we say with our life is, I don't need God. I can get myself through this. I can make it on my own. I can will it, and I can make it, and I can white-knuckle it, and I can bear it, I can grit my teeth, and I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody else's help. I don't need anything happening outside of what I can do. See, when we recognize that we need God, and we lift our hands like this as a way to expect to receive from God, help from God, strength from God, 
energy from God, inspiration from God, wisdom from God, provision from God, that we recognize that we need Him and it puts Him first in our life then allows us to be able to receive from Him. Do we want God involved in our life? Do we want Him involved in every affair of our life? Then we need to let Him know that. So when, we go, when we're going through life, we're all going to be challenged and tempted with the desire to do it on our own. Don't tell nobody. Don't open up to anybody. Don't share with anybody. Keep that prayer in your own heart. Don't whisper it. Don't let it out. Just kind of get through it. Make yourself be strong on your own accord. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, so to speak. Then where's, where's the Lord? Where is He? Well, here's where He is. He's waiting to pour Himself out on you. He's waiting to show Himself strong to you. The moment we acknowledge him and say, God, I need you. I will praise you this way. I will tadow you by lifting up my hands like this because I need whatever it is you can give me for my life. I want you. Number four. Shabbat. Psalm 63. The Hebrew word for this word of praise is Shabbat. This is what this means. It means to shout loud with a tone of victory and triumph. To shout loud with a tone of victory and triumph. And I'll add, when it doesn't make sense. It's easy when it makes sense. It's easy when you've already got the victory, right? It's easy when you've already got the big W. It's easy when everything is provided for us. It's easy when you've already gone through it and you get across it and, you already look, and you're there standing on the other side triumph. It's easy to give the loud shout and the loud praise then. But when you're standing before it and you still got to face it and you still got to deal with it and you still got to go through it and you're still trying to find your way, that is when David says... That is when we need to Shabbat God. A loud shout. A loud shout with a victory and triumph. Psalm 63, 1 says, O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. And my whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and I've gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer, you satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Where is David at? He is in the wilderness. And it gives his prayer, this psalm gives his description of his physical location is actually meeting, it describes his spiritual condition at the time. In a dry and weary land, a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, there is nothing around to sustain me. 
to help me. And he said, that's how I feel on the inside. I'm going through a wilderness experience in life right now. Anybody ever been through a wilderness experience? Pretty sure you have. You just might not have known what to say about it or put a name to it. But when you go through a time where things feel dry, And where your soul is hungry and nothing satisfies. When your soul is thirsty and nothing seems to meet its need. And you feel all alone. Again, where is God in this time? Wilderness experiences. You know, Jesus went through a wilderness experience. In Matthew 4 and Luke 4, those two guys talk about it. They said, before his ministry started, said the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, led him out into the wilderness for 40 days and nights, and he prayed and fasted. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He said at the end of that time, said the devil came to him and tempted him. Three temptations... And the last temptation was that the devil said, look, I'm taking you up here and I want you to look across. I'm taking you up on this mountain. I want you to look out and I want you to see everything. He said, I'll give you all this. He's talking to Jesus. Jesus already knows what's real. He, he don't have to have the devil give him anything. Jesus has it all. But yet, that's how the enemy works in our mind. And he said, I'll give you all this if you'll just kneel down and worship me. And you know what Jesus did? He said, it is written in the scriptures. He said, get out of here. Get out of here. Anybody ever ran something off your yard before? A dog, a cat, a raccoon, maybe a fly. You get on out of here. Get. Right? And you try to scare, you try to intimidate it, then you say, this is my house, this is my yard. You're not going to poop or pee in it because I ain't cleaning up your mess in my yard. And my kid ain't going to walk around barefoot and running your stuff. Get on out of here! That's how we would say it down here. Get! In the South, we'd say, get! Right? And we ain't bashful about it. We don't care what our neighbors are thinking because I don't want that in my yard. Get out of here! Right? I have to think for a minute and imagine that maybe Jesus got a little bold like that and a little brash. He was tired of the devil coming and snipping over his shoulder and saying, if you'll just bow down and you'll just worship me, look at everything that I'll give you. I have to imagine by this time he was fed up, he was up to here with it, and he just said, get out of here. The word of God says, worship and serve him only. Sometimes you got to have your get out of here moments with the enemy. Because let me tell you, the enemy is not bashful when it comes to your destiny and when it comes to your life in Jesus Christ. He'll do anything he can. He's clever, he's strategic, and he's a con artist. And that tongue of a con artist is slick. It's sly. And you got to be on your best guard for it. 
But sometimes just having a little polite conversation and saying, you know, I just, would you just leave me alone? You know, I'm just real tired of it. I'm just, I'm just sick of how you're treating me. Anybody ever seen Napoleon Dynamite? Just, uh, my lips hurt real bad. I need my chapstick. It's a funny movie. If you want a good laugh on Labor Day weekend, that's a pretty funny movie. The devil ain't scared to know if my lips hurt real bad. Get out of here! You know it was coming. And you still jumped. It's like those, something you watch on TV and you don't expect the next thing that happens and it scares the heck out of you. You jump and it was like a little dog just running across the screen. It was like nothing big. But get out of here! Shabak! Loud! Tone! I'm the man! I'm the woman! I'm a child of God! Devil! Remember War Room? Anybody saw that movie? Remember she went outside of her house, she had had it, she knew something needed to change, she walked out onto the back patio or the deck of her house, and she said, devil, I don't know where you're at, but you hear me, leave my family alone, leave my husband alone, leave my kids alone, and you leave me alone, and you get out of here. And don't ever come back. Try it. If you get loud enough, your neighbors might call the police. And they say, somebody's reporting a domestic disturbance. Ma'am or sir, can we just come in and make sure everything is okay? Your kids are sitting down at the table. You got dinner on there and you say, oh, it's all good in my hood right now because I just got loud and proud and I just told the devil to get. Sir, ma'am, who's the devil? Are they in your house? Which one of these people around your table is the devil? And you can say, sir, it's not either one of them. You can't see him, but you know he exists. And if you could just peek inside the troubles that I've been going through and the disturbances I've had in my family, not them personally, but the things the enemy has tried to do to destroy our household, then you would join me in getting loud too. Because the enemy, the devil, is no longer welcome in our household. David was in the wilderness. It did not make any sense to get loud. Jesus was in the wilderness and he got Allowed. I mean, nobody else was around him. But you know how that little story ends? Jesus got loud with the devil and told him to get out of here. And you know what he did? It said the devil left him. Luke says the devil left him and waited for a more opportune time. And then you know what else happened? It said the angels of heaven came and ministered to Jesus. You see, when you stand your spot and you stand your ground and you let the enemy know you ain't messing around 
he will leave. He will flee. Oh, he might wait for another opportune time, but here's the deal. The angels are always going to come to help. God's host of heaven. They're watching you right now. You can't see them. They exist. They're real. That if we had glasses that we could put on and see the supernatural realm, we'd be like, whoa, talk about virtual reality. You're like, And then you know what happened. Here's, here's the next part. It said Jesus then went back to Galilee. He walked right up into the synagogue. He grabbed a scroll and he turned to the scroll. It's Isaiah 61. I got to flip to it because I feel the Spirit wants me to hit that. Isaiah 61 is what, he, is what he preached after he was in the wilderness fight and he got loud with the devil and the devil left him and the angels <clears throat> helped him and, he, and it said he, he went back to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what comes on the heels of your wilderness experience that if you will sit in it and you will stand in it and you will go through that process and you will do it right the way God wants you to, clinging to him, still praising him, claiming the victory even though you haven't got there yet, if you will still stay your ground and keep walking that way and endure that process called the wilderness, the Holy Spirit's power will come on your life. And here's what happened. He went and he picked up the scroll in the church, in the synagogue, and he turned to Isaiah 61 and he said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and proclaim captives will be free and that prisoners will be freed. He sent me to tell all those who are mourning, who are sad, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He sent me to tell them. And he said, and they will be, rebuild the ancient ruins and they will repair cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. You know what that tells you and me today? That when you and I endure wilderness experiences and we don't cave to the temptations, but we stand strong and declare victory with our, with our mouth and praise to our God, God's power comes on us. And you know what happens when His power comes on you? You go to a whole nother level. And when you go to a whole nother level, it says His anointing comes upon you. It's what Jesus said, the Lord has anointed me. That anointing is not just for Jesus. That anointing is for every follower of Jesus Christ. That if you want God's power on your life... And you want his anointing on your life, then here's what you've got to do. You've got to still praise him even when things are bleak. Even when things are bare. Even when things are dead set against you. Get loud. Shabbat God. Praise him with a loud voice of triumph and victory anyways. And you'll get there. God's spirit will come on you. His anointing will come on you, and his anointing is for this. It's to tell other people about the good news of God. Jesus stood up in that synagogue, and he read from that scroll, and when he sat down, all eyes were on him, and their mouths were hitting the floor because they could not believe what they just heard. They heard that before, but what they didn't hear was the level of authority and power from which he spoke it. You want God's word to be strong in your mouth? 
then you've got to be willing to stand strong even when it's all against you. That's praise. Why does praise matter? Why does this type of praise matter? Because this type of praise moves us to victory. Oh, you want to stay, you want to stay defeated? You want to stay hindered? You want to stay, you want to stay back? Then don't praise him. Don't open your mouth to him. But if you want to taste victory and you want to walk in real victory, then here's what happens. As a Christian, we got to open our mouth and praise God. Amen. I got to move on because we got just a few minutes left before we respond to the Lord. Number five. Anybody good? Everybody good? Follow me. Any, any of this helping anybody in here? Okay, it's helping a couple people. Good. Number five, the word is barak. Hebrew word barak, which means this. It means to convey blessing by bowing down and kneeling down as a sign of humility and gratitude. Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Bowing down and kneeling down as a sign of humility and gratitude. Psalm 103 verse 1 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Verse 20. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. See, there it is. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord. Everything he has created, that would also be us, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom, let all that I am praise the Lord. Now, what is the big deal with this type of praise to kneel down and to bow down to show humility and gratitude because this type of praise matters because it keeps us humble. Keeps us humble. When you kneel or you bow down, it's a sign of respect, a sign of reverence, a sign of awe. That means... You really matter, God. And I don't know really how else to show it right now with the way I'm feeling and what I'm dealing with, but I just feel like right now I just need to do this because I'm thankful and I'm grateful. What are you thankful and grateful for? By what God does for us and for who he is are you thankful for what God does for you are you thankful for what he has done in your life how he's opened up doors how he's closed certain ones to prevent you from going down the wrong direction how he just closed off that temptation in your life. How he brings the right kind of message to you when you need to hear it. How he has brought you together with your spouse and blessed you with children. Even though you get tired and exhausted. Are you thankful for what God has done for you and for who he is? 
See, the middle of this psalm is filled with all the things God has done and does still. Forgives all my sins, it says. Man, anybody glad that happens? No two of us walk into forgiveness. How about heals all my diseases? Anybody ever been touched by the Lord? Anybody needing a touch from the Lord? He redeems me from death. How many close calls have you had with death? And somebody looked at you and thought, you should be dead right now. Right? This is what he's done. This is what he does. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord is compassionate and he's merciful. Yeah, he is slow to get angry. And he is filled with unfailing love. He constantly, he will not constantly accuse us. And he does not punish us for all our sins. His unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. As far, he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. All I can do is just Tebow it right now. Is just kneel. Because, I mean, a lot of things I could try to say, I, I can't express. Anybody ever felt like that before? And you just, before the Lord, you're humble before God. See, this is why this kind of praise matters because it keeps us humble. See, we're bad about getting prideful. We're bad about getting prideful, take, taking ownership of our progress and our success, taking ownership of our accolades and our achievements, and taking pride in what we own and what we drive and what we wear, and where our kids go to school and the types of restaurants we eat at or whatever it might be. You see, we're bad about taking pride in stuff. Any of those things bad? Absolutely not. It's a matter of motive, of heart. And see, you and I need to stop every once in a while, probably more often than we do, and just kneel. Not, not necessarily to need anything. It could, but it not necessarily. Just to kneel, God, I thank you for what you've done. I'm humble. I'm grateful that you always look out for me. Amen? Number six. Psalm 138. The Hebrew word for this pray, word of praise in this chapter is yada. Yada. Not yoda, but yada. This is what that means, to raise our hands towards heaven and acknowledge the greatness of God like this. To raise our hands 
towards heaven and acknowledge the greatness of God. Psalm 138, verse 1. It says, I give you thanks, O Lord. With all my heart I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. And as soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. In verse 8, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. Why does this kind of praise matter? To acknowledge the greatness of God? Because it forces us to look up and to look out and to see. The world does not revolve around me. And to see there is purpose to this life. That when we acknowledge the greatness of God in our life, it enhances 